Well, all of this fishing talk has inspired me. So I went to a Canfield yesterday, and I, I don't have a fishing pole, but I decided I needed a lure. So I bought my very own lure. I went for the biggest, the brightest, the heaviest, the most glitz lure I could find, and I found this beauty. So I'm heading to the checkout, and uh, the guy kind of looks at me kind of strange, and he says, well, where are you going fishing? I said, I'm going down to Lake Harrington. <laughs> and then he says, uh, you know there's no tuna in Lake Harrington. I have, you see, the mistake I made was a mistake that many of us tend to make often. I was so enamored, I was allured with the glitz and the glamour that I didn't think about the end game. You see, the purpose of fishing is to catch fish, not to have a fancy lure. But so many times in our lives, we are mistaken. We, we get caught off guard by what it is. And so what we want to look today, we want to remind you, we kind of want to look backwards, Right? Once I know what I'm fishing for, it's going to determine the kind of lure that I'm going to use for each one of these moments that I have. Men, fathers, I just ask you today, do you have an end game, right? Do you have a vision for what at the end of your life that you want to catch? The things that you want to really make significant in your life. See, the challenge is if you don't have a goal for your life, uh, an end game, the world's going to quickly tell you what that end game needs to be, right? It's going to tell you things like, listen, the key is this, man. You just need to work hard. You need to get this promotion. Uh, you need to just financially be secure. You need to take care of all of these things. And listen, if that's what you're trying to catch, then the lure is very easy. The lure is you need to work 70 hours a week, and you need to work most of your weekends. And if you work hard and do all those things, then you may catch that promotion. And you may actually win in the office, but you may probably lose at the home front. See, there's so many things, right, that we can chase. We can be so enamored with all the glitz and what's new and what's the greatest. And at the end of the game, might have caught this, but really lost the thing that is really most important. And that's what we want to spend some time today just talking about and looking at a little bit different. I want to focus more on the lure that's going to allow us to catch what we want to catch with our lives. Now, what I'm talking about today, and I especially want to say to you, men, listen, men, this is so important. Because there is such an attack on you as men and as fathers in manhood in our world. I mean, 2021, society is trying to continually undermine and at times even redefine what it means to be a man. We have phrases now like toxic masculinity. We have these things that say, well, you need to actually feel bad about being a, a man in so, different, so many different ways. And, and the kind of rhetoric that we hear over and over, if we're not careful, it's what's creating all of this gender confusion. It's what's creating the challenges about who God has uniquely created you to be as a man. So I want to remind you today, the kind of manhood that we're talking about is what I would just call, it's biblical manhood, right? It, it's not the kind of manhood that just says, listen, this is just boys be boys, just that's how dudes are. It's not the kind of man who just says, listen, man, just rub some dirt in it, you know, suck it up, buttercup, it's all going to be all right. That's not what I'm talking about. It's this kind of spirit-filled manhood, the kind of manhood that makes you tough and yet makes you, you tender. It's the kind of manhood that calls you to be courageous and yet at the same time kind. It's the kind of manhood that says, I need you to be heroic and then I also need you to be humble. I want you to be a warrior, and I want you to be a worshiper all in the same time. It's these kind of manhood that God's calling you to. Listen, this is not easy. This is a battle that we as men are going to have to fight with and battle every single day. 
But dads, can I tell you, it's the kind of manhood that your family needs, our culture needs, and our world needs. So I wanna encourage you today, the issue is not to suppress your masculinity. The key is to be spirit-filled in the masculinity that God has called you to as a man. And so as we jump into this, I wanna remind you, I've done enough Father's Day sermons in my, my years of ministry to know this, that today, as I talk about these things, it's gonna evoke some emotions in some of you in different ways. Let me just remind you again today that right parenting is not easy. A plus B does not always equal C. So let's acknowledge that. There are godly fathers who have kids that are not living a, a godly life. There's this amazing thing called free will, right? That really messes up the whole parenting thing all the time. Don't you just wish, I wish today I could give you A plus B, I'll guarantee you C, but there is free will that changes everything around here. And as I look around a room, and I, I know many of you and, and your stories, that's the case, right? You've been a godly father in your home, and your child is walking in a season of ungodliness, and it breaks your heart. It's the passion knit of your prayer that just says, God, it's like the prodigal child. God, I just want them to come home. And so I just acknowledge that today. And so if that's you today, can I just encourage you, pay close attention to the emotions that rise up as we talk about fathers because it's such a powerful thing. Can I remind you that guilt and shame and judgment and condemnation are not of God. These are the lies of the enemy. Conviction Godly sorrow, those are places where the spirit can move in our hearts, but shame is not there. As I talk about this, and I wanna just say to you single moms, in just a moment, I'm gonna share with you some statistics that talk about the power of the father being present in the home. And as I want to encourage you today, as you hear these things, pay attention to your emotions. I don't want you to feel fearful and hopeless. Can I remind you that you have a heavenly father who cares for your children. You have a heavenly father who loves your kids even more than you do. You have a God who loves to work in the gaps. And so if you find yourself where there are voids where you want them to not be, can I just remind you to let your heavenly father come alongside you, to father your children with you. To our single moms, can I just remind you what a gift that the local church is to you and your family. Today you are surrounded right, by godly men who wanna support you and come alongside you. I think about our kids' ministry. I'm so grateful we have so many men who serve in our kids' ministry. That's so important. Grandpas, some of you, listen, you could go and serve there and give some love and some insight and some hope in ways that are just incredible. I think about TJ and our student ministry team who minister to our middle schoolers and high schoolers. The beauty is this, you've got folks who will come alongside and speak the same worth and value that you're speaking. So I just wanna encourage you, especially you today, moms, listen, you're not alone and you're doing better than you think you are. God has not forgotten you and God has not abandoned you. So at times like this, especially in the formative years of your children, can I encourage you, lean in the church. Let's put the families here. Let us be the family for you during these times. All that said, we come back to dads. And, I, and again, as I mentioned before, I, there is no guaranteed of success of fatherhood, but there are certainly some things that an absent father 
seem to happen on a consistent basis that are undeniable. So here's some stats for fatherless homes. Remind you the value of what you do just showing up. 90% of all runaway children come from a fatherless home. 63% of all teen suicides happen in a fatherless home. 85% of children with behavior disorders happen in a fatherless home. 71% of high school dropouts are from fatherless homes. 75% of all adolescents in chemical abuse treatment centers come from a fatherless home. 85% of all youth in prison today come from a fatherless home. When the father is present, can I just remind you that the health and the value in our cognitive development, our educational development in the lives of our kids is also true, right? If the father is present, they are 39% more likely to earn mostly A's in school. They're 45% more likely not to repeat a grade. They're 60% more likely not to be suspended or expelled from school. They're twice as likely to go to college and have, unstable, and have stable employment after high school. If the father is present in the home, they're 75% more likely not to have teenage birth. And you think about that, the statistics are staggering. So men, can I just remind you today, listen, that manhood matters and masculinity makes a difference. Your presence is powerful. It's powerful even in the context of their spiritual development, in the context of, of church and making church a part of your life. Statistics say this, that if the father does not go to church and his wife does go to church, even if she does, only one out of 50 children will become regular worshipers. I tried to find a more encouraging statistic. The best research I could find, it was up to 18%. If the father doesn't attend church, even if the wife does, only 18% of the kids will continue on. Contrast that, the opposite. If the father attends church and the mother does not attend church, 66% of the children become regular worshipers. When both parents attend on a regular basis, 75% of the children continue on uh, of having regular worship and attenders. So if you want your children, here's just the key, right? If you want your children to be engaged, if you want your grandchildren someday to be engaged with your children in church, then dads, I just wanna tell you, listen, you gotta be engaged in church on a, on a regular basis, right? If the goal is to, to have that catch at the end, then you've gotta make this a part of your life. It's gotta be part of your regular disciplines, right? Church can't be just something you do on holidays or when it has no other conflicts on the weekend or when you're not camping or when kids don't have a sports game, you just work it in. I just wanna remind you, especially you to dads, listen, if it's not important to you, it won't be important to your kids. You set the tone, you set the expectation in your home as you go. All right, so that's context of how important your fatherhood is even in the context of the home. So let's go back to the fishing hole, right? I'm about to cast my line. What is it that I'm hoping to catch at the end of my life? What are the things that you want to really matter in your life when it's all said and done? Let, let me give you three things today that I think in my life I'm striving for. I think three things that you'll never regret giving your life to as you think about this. So here's the first catch, things I'd love to catch in my life. Number one is simply this. It's a godly legacy. It's a godly legacy, right? Men, dads, everything you do overflows out of your genuine relationship with God. It all flows out of there. Listen, you can come here on a Sunday morning and fool us. You can smile, make like everything's great. You can fool even people at work for a period of time. 
but you cannot fool your family. You can't fool your kids over an extended period of time. <laughs> That's such a challenge. As, as a pastor, every week I stand up here and tell you how you ought to live in light of God's word. And yet my two sons both attend Lex City and sit here every week. And at, when I leave here, I'll go home and the lights are off and the microphone comes off. And now the question is, are you really living what you're talking and telling everybody about in your life? Either my life is going to reinforce my role as a pastor or it's gonna reinforce the hypocrisy of the church. It's the godly legacy. Proverbs 27 says this, the righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. So if godly legacy is the catch, this is what I want at the end of my life to be true, then what's the lure, right, that's gonna help me have the best chance to make the catch? Let me give you uh, lure number one today, three words, humility, integrity, and generosity. I've shared these with you before, become more and more powerful words every year of my life. Humility, integrity, and generosity. I mentioned these three because every pastor that I know who has fallen from his ministry has compromised one of these three areas. Every person in power, in influence, in leadership who has compromised their legacy has compromised one of these three areas in their life. Humility, integrity, or generosity. Proverbs 20 says, if these true three can be true in your life, then the legacy of your life is not only a blessing to you, but what's it say? It's a blessing to your children, right? The righteous who walks in his integrity, blessed are his children after him. So men, here's the question, right? These are the three key. How are you combating pride in your life? It's where we all struggle, right? How do we combat that pride? Where in your, have you allowed this spirit of entitlement to make you susceptible at home, at work, in your position where it is? See, I, I read these three words almost every day. They've got them on my board in my office because I know this. My natural tendency is to move towards pride and selfishness and arrogance that come. If, if I don't keep these in front of me, my natural tendency will be to gravitate towards these things. I was reminded of it even this week. I was in the car and uh, listening to some talk radio and um, guy calls in and says, well, I don't know what I should do. It's a non-Christian radio station. I don't know what I should do. I just got an email from Amazon saying they're refunding this purchase that I just have. But I'm holding the purchase right in front of me. Should I return it or what should I do? And now the talk radio, let's do a poll, right? So now for the next half hour, everybody's calling in what they should do with this Amazon thing. Now I would love this, so I was thinking about that. If this was me and it turned up, I would just love to tell you, my first response would be, well, of course, I shall return this package with extra 10% tithe bonus to say, I didn't pay for this. But isn't it amazing how quickly the rationalization goes on? Huh, as I think about this, I mean, Jeff Bezos, he, he doesn't really need this $125. He's building a spaceship. $125 isn't gonna make that big of a difference, all right? I mean, he doesn't even treat his employees very well. All of a sudden, if we're not careful, right, the rationalization keeps it. And I'm worried less about my integrity and more about his excess, and so now I can justify why well, I should just go ahead and keep this package. I'm glad the package didn't come. I had to wrestle through this. But isn't that the reality where we sit? So men, I just want to tell you as fathers, listen, every one of these things are teachable moments, right? Am I teaching situational ethics to my children or am I teaching 
unwavering integrity in those moments that we have. Legacy. Catch number two. I think about my life at the very end. Catch number two would be this. I would love to have a flourishing marriage. Even for the sake of my children. That, that would be the wonderful catch at the end of it. So I met Tammy 38, 38 years ago. We were sophomores in high school. And we met at a basketball camp in South Dakota of all places. And the first time I saw her, Ooh, here's this blonde-haired, blue-eyed, beautiful girl who's got a better jump shot than I have from Minnesota. And I'm like, I'm in love. That's all it took. My, I was wrecked from that point on. We ended up actually going to college at the same place. And we dated the first day of freshman orientation. Dated all four years. And now we've been married 31 years later as we go. And now we find ourselves again in a new season a different season of the empty nest season. And uh, the question is this, how do we make this season the best season that it could ever be? Because I owe a lot to my wife, right? One of the greatest gifts of my life is what she gave me, and that was the joy of being a father and having two sons. It's the greatest joy, the greatest pride of my life is, is my children that's on there. So how do I cherish this, and how do I make this next season better than the previous season, right? That's the goal to have this kind of flourishing marriage. <laughs> because isn't it true, if, if our only goal is to survive these child-rearing years, which is a miracle in and of itself, getting through those moments, like we just wanna get through this and not hate each other, the challenge is you're gonna get through this at some point. And then you're gonna be stuck again with just the two of you. And the question is, do I even know you? Do I like you? What do we do together? These kind of things. So we're at that point, empty nesters, right? And you, so many times when I say, oh, we made it through, we're great. Can I just remind you, the research is reminding us that every season of a marriage is a vulnerable season of its, of its marriage. According to the Pew Research Center, among adults who are 50 years of age and older in the United States, the divorce rate has doubled since 1990s. If you are 65 years of age and older, it has roughly tripled in the same time period that we have. Think about it, it's triple. Why? If we're not committed to what the end catch is, I'm not gonna use the right lures even at a new and different season of life. So what's the lure we use? Ephesians 5, 28, 29, right? In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and he cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. I love that phrase. He who loves his wife loves himself, right? A cherished wife is a gift not only to your family, but men, you know this to be true. It's, it's a gift to you. So how do we do that? That's what Ephesians says, that the reality. So if that's what I want, I want this flourishing marriage at some point. What's the lure that I use to get there? Let me just give you three, three easy practical things. I just call this prioritize, pray, and play. Prioritize especially young dads, can I just remind you again that in the midst of this child-rearing season, don't forget that she was your wife long before she was your children's mom. Right? She was there. That's what you were long before. So keep her a priority, right? Whatever it is, those things that help to cherish, whatever you used to do before the kids came along, if that's date nights, if that's just things together, take care of those things and take care of your wife as she's caring for your kids because it's so powerful if you do that. You, you've heard the phrase, and it is so true, right? The most important thing a father can do for his children, what, is to love their mother. It's a gift that you have. A fourth grade girl, while writing an essay, she wrote this about her father. She says, he treats my mom very nicely, 
which makes me feel wanted. <laughs> Children, especially daughters, instinctively connect these emotional dots. My dad treats my mom really good, and it makes me feel wanted. So she understands that relationship, how that comes there. And so dads, just remind you of there is, number one, prioritize your wife. Number two, pray for and with your wife. She is tired. She's discouraged. She doesn't feel like she's doing as good of a job of being a mother and a wife as she wants to be. And so just partner with her spiritually, right? Men, this is the one place in our lives, right? We tend to just be passive, especially at the home. It's the one place that we allow our insecurities, especially these insecurities, to keep us silent. We feel insecure about this, this expectation. My wife expects me to be this amazing spiritual leader in the home, that I'll lead these dramatic Bible studies with illustrations and craft projects, and we'll pray over all the kids, and they'll just be moved. And so since I can't live up to that, I'm going to do nothing. I'm going to fail. Right? Can I just encourage you? Listen. Don't let your insecurities keep you silent. Do something. Just be you and start with that process. If you have to say, I have no idea where to begin, listen, look around. You are surrounded by some godly men who have walked this journey before you. Just ask them, hey, what did you do as a dad? And they'll tell you, whew, I was terrible at it. I struggled spiritually to lead it in the way I wanted to, but listen, I just decided just to jump in and I tried something. These are three things that worked really well. These are terrible ideas, don't do these. But the reality is, isn't it for men, we just move to passivity because we come in, become insecure. Just do something. Start the process, partner with your spouse along those things. The third one is simply this, I entitled include play, all right? Because when the kids are gonna be gone, you, you don't believe this right now, but they eventually will be. And at that point, you're, you're just back to the two of you. What do you enjoy doing together? So start it now. What are hobbies? What are things that we have mutual interest? Do we just like to take walks, go hiking, play golf? Do we like antiquing, watching movies? Do we like riding motorcycles? What is it that you just enjoy together? Because time together creates connection as we go. And my encourage is you, man, take this journey together rather than two separate paths. And if you don't have those things that you enjoy, shared interests together that you can celebrate with one another, if you're not careful... Listen, right now, your main entertainment is getting in the van and driving the kids to 16 soccer games and eating fast food. I'm just gonna tell you, when the kids aren't playing anymore, driving to soccer games and eating fast food isn't that fun anymore. You're like, well, this is, you know. So what is it that you enjoy doing together that you mutually can appreciate? Let me give you a third one, just quickly. Third great catch. Third great catch is this, that we would have, at least I think in my life, that we'd have influence into the lives of our children. Every father right, whether our kids are at home or they're out adulting, desires to have influence and feel like their input and their wisdom is valuable to their kids. We wanna feel like our kids are receiving this and gathering it and making changes and following the things that we do. We just wanna feel valued in that sense of influence in the lives of our kids, whatever age they may be. Now, when I say that, can I just remind you, listen, don't confuse love with influence, I know lots of dads who love their kids but have no influence in the lives of their kids. There's a difference there that we do this. We think about influence. We, if we're not careful, we, we tell ourselves this. Listen, the reason I work so hard and the reason I'm always at work is I love my kids so much and I want them to have a better life, right? So I'm absent from them in that moment. That's why I work so hard. And we tell ourselves, I just wanna be a good provider. That's the rationalization that we work for them because I love them, but listen, if we're not careful... Your absence will silence your voice of influence 
in the lives of your kids. If you're not careful, you not being present all of a sudden steals what this better life is that you're trying so hard to do and to build for them. So what's the lure that helps us have influence in the life of our kids? Let me give you the lure. It's simply this. It's love and time. Love and time. Love and time equals relationships, and they're both there. The hard part, what makes this so difficult, isn't it for us, is there simply is no shortcuts. There's no easy way around influence in creating relationship in the lives of our kids. It takes us being present. Isn't that the hard part? Man, you ever had this? <laughs> Tammy's reminded me a few times. Like you're present in body, but you're emotionally not very present at this moment. You ever been there? Like I'm in the room, but I'm not really in the room. I'm still at the office and these kind of things. That's what makes it so difficult for us. But again, love and time create that kind of relationship. The beauty of time is that it adds depth to the word love. It means meaning to it. It makes it authentic. It speaks value, and as a result, it gives us influence into the lives of our kids. Our kids need to know, right, that they are a priority. <laughs> they need to know that the world doesn't revolve around them, but can I remind you that the world doesn't revolve around you either? They just need to know they're important. I think about that, that moment, and I'll share a story. I think I might have even shared it with you before. And it was Trent's eighth grade year, our, our youngest. And it was a Tuesday afternoon, and it was his very first cross-country meet. And it was up in Kansas City, and it was the biggest meet of the year. And his first one, he was so excited about. Sounds wonderful. Tuesday's deacon meetings. I got a meeting at church I'm supposed to lead on Tuesday night. So what do I do between these two? A mantra that I've always tried to say, share, and I share it with our staff now. Listen, the church will never remember and your family will never forget. So on that Tuesday, I said, you buy the deacons and I head on up to Trent's meet. This is so exciting. His first meet, he's there. It's a big one. A little buzz about it because there's a, a, a neat family we've got to meet throughout the years. A uh, Nigerian guy, and he, this kid is an amazing runner, best runner in the state. And everybody's like, this kid's gonna be amazing. And he was amazing, went on to run in Alabama and all this ready for the track meet to get started. And I share this story because I'm so glad I can share this story with you in the moments that are there. They're getting ready to, for the gun to go off and I see this little kid jumping up and down. And Tammy's like, is that Trent? And we're like, oh, that's Trent. Uh, he's so excited. And uh, the gun goes off and it's cross country, a mile and a half. And uh, the gun goes off and Trent goes sprinting. I mean, like this is a, a, a hundred yard dash. He's sprinting right out of the gate. He's way ahead of everybody. We're like, oh boy, kid, this is a, like a, a long race. Uh, what are you doing? He's just, he's so happy. He's so good. He's off and he's sprinting around. And the beat of cross country is you get to run the spots to spots to watch your kids run. And we're about three quarters of a mile there and Trent is rolling off right in the lead. And this young kid's behind him and the young kid, his coach is saying, don't worry about him. He's gonna slow down. You just run your race. So we get running. He comes back over the next day. We're a little over a mile. Trent's still way out in front. The coach says, start worrying about him. He's not slowing down. And uh, we come over the last hill and Trent is ahead of this kid and just buries him and he wins this race. Here's the little picture that we have uh, from that eighth grade year. Now listen, he never beat the kid the rest of his middle school and high school years. But on that moment, best runner in the state, listen, here's what I'm so grateful for. I have this picture. Had I gone to my deacon's meeting, I never took a picture of my deacon meetings. This is the moment. Can I remind you, men, your company will never remember, but your family 
will never forget. Now listen, there were lots of meets I missed because what I had to do at work that day was more important. They needed to learn that lesson. But that was the exception rather than the rule. If you wanna gain influence in your life of your kids, it's going to take time, it's gonna take love, and it's gonna take you being present in the moment that happens. Proverbs 22, six, verse we've heard before, right? It says, direct your children into the right path, and when they are older, they will not leave it. And I love Proverbs, right? Proverbs is, is a book of principles, right? Not promises. <laughs> but the principle here is, is so profound. If you wanna lead your kid in the right path, you've gotta have influence. And if you'll have influence in their life, that influence will last later into the years. So if there are those moments that they're turning from the things of God, you, you wanna have that relationship that's there. If communication lines remain open, right, with our adult children, then influence continues. The older your kids get, I would just share this with you, the older your kids get, the more important it is that you ask good questions rather than simply give good statements. The older they get, we've gotta value the relationship as much as we value being right. And in those moments, communication and influence happens. Well, in my life, I, I may never catch a tuna, I guess, since now I know what I was trying to catch, a tuna in Harrington Lake with this amazing lure. But you know what? That's not really what my life is all about. In my life, I hope to catch three things that are gonna be important. I, I hope to catch a godly legacy. I, I hope to catch a, a flourishing marriage. And I hope to have influence in the lives of my kids. But those three things will only happen if I use the right lures today in order to experience the catch that I want for tomorrow. So dads, can I just remind you, what you do matters. Fatherhood matters. Masculinity makes a difference. Be who God created you to be and let the spirit lead you. You won't get it all right, and you won't get it perfect every time, but in the long run, you'll catch what hopefully you are fishing for. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for just the reminder and truth of your word. Thank you for the wonderful joy and the responsibility of being a dad. Lord, we confess at times we feel so unqualified and so in over our heads and so... Oh, it just feels overwhelming. But God, help us to be reminded that this is the one place in our life that we cannot be passive. That God, this is the one point we've got to just stay engaged. We've got to do the best we can. We've got to trust you with those results. And so Lord, for my fellow men today in a world that wants to diminish them, redefine them, God, help them to be reminded that you have placed them on the front line of the lives of their children. So help us to be watchmen on the gate. Use us for your glory. And may we be a blessing to our children. In your name we pray, amen.
Amen. Hey, thanks for spending your Father's Day with us today. We're so grateful that you came. If you're new, my wife Tammy and I haven't got a chance to meet you. We'll be right outside in the Welcome Center. We'd love to do that. Also, on your way out, if you have not taken the casting challenge, get out to the parking lot, win some gear. Otherwise, have an amazing Father's Day, and we'll look forward to seeing you back next Sunday. We'll see you then.